BMG Partners and 1494 2AY presents The Journey Podcast. The stories you're about to hear are true. They shine a light on the events and incidents, known and unknown, that have shaped the lives of the Albury-Wodonga region's most intriguing personalities, local legends and unsung heroes. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to The Journey once again. This time around, Adam Schneider is here to have a chat. And Adam, I'm not a big football person, so you're going to have to forgive me for not really appreciating your career there, but I'm sure we'll get to that. But more more often than not, here on The Journey, we start with how you've ended up in Albury-Wodonga. So let's start there. Yeah, nice. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, look, it's a, yeah, a bit of an interesting story. Um, I was coaching at the GWS Giants in Sydney for the last four years, and um, I, I grew up in the region out of Osborne. So, uh, yeah, always always wanted to come back home eventually or was planning on it or hoping to. It sort of didn't work that way. But, um, look, probably just a typical last couple of years of COVID. Um, living in Sydney last couple of years, with my job we had to travel um, in a lockdown in a hub away from family. We had a young family with three kids and, and a wife, so... Uh, two years of that was sort of took our toll on us and, you know, financially in Sydney is not easy to live, yeah. um, which, you know, everyone's aware, but, and, um, yeah, look, an opportunity to come up down here and we looked into it and said, why not? And we gave it a go and here we are. And you've got yourself a coaching gig. Yeah. Yeah. So good friends at Graham Hart, loving the footy club. And he gave me a call actually and just asked if I knew anyone that would be interested in coaching. And I threw a couple of names and. And I just texted him a month later and just said, how'd you go? He goes, oh, we still can't find anyone. So I said, oh, what's it look like? Anyway, he sent something through and I sat down with my wife and we sat there and just had a thought and we're looking at our young fellas going into high school and everything next year. And like I said, it was tough times the last few years, being away, we're told we're going away for 10 days and didn't come back for 72 days. And, you know, she was in lockdown that whole time in Sydney. So, yeah, we took the opportunity and... Yeah, it's going well so far. I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that, yes. just that sort of reset moment to go, geez, what's life really about and is how long is this going to go on for? Do we keep doing what we're doing or we just go, eh, caution to the wind, let's have a change, which is great because I'm sure uh, Lavington are happy to have you there and I'm sure you're happy to be back within the region. So let's talk a little bit about growing up in Osborne on the farm. Yeah, grew up out there, about 2K from the footy oval there. So I went to school in Lockhart, uh, high school in, in Leeton and, and Wagga. So Wagga was sort of the main area, and it's in between Wagga and Albury, um, right in the middle, but we didn't come to Albury a hell of a lot. We used to watch a bit of footy down here and occasionally come down, but yeah, grew up out there on the farm, absolutely loved it. Mum and mum and dad are still on the farm, the eldest brother's got a farm now in Colcan, and my other brother lives in Wagga, so all the family's still here, and my wife's dad's in Wagga as well, so it was it was sort of one of those things, and we met in Sydney, and, and uh, like I said, we're back here now, but no, I grew up out there, absolutely loved it, and my kids love it out in the open air on the farm, so... Yeah. Let's talk about the footy career. So uh, let's talk about your sort of process through that. Played for a couple of clubs, but getting out of the country and into into the big game. How did that all pan out for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, a long way, long long time ago now. Uh, but I was at school, Leeton, um, in, in year nine, I think it was, and it was pretty rugby dominant over there. So I decided to move to Wagga for footy opportunity and, and train there and was fortunate enough to get picked up as a 17-year-old um, to Sydney Swans. Um, which uh, young young kid moving from Osborne, population about ten people to Sydney was quite daunting. Um, but yeah, look, on the, they have a draft, and you go into the draft, and you know it's a bit of a country story here. When you get drafted, they they usually on TV, and they go through the whole draft process, and it's a big deal. But the year I got drafted, it was only on radio, um, and on the internet actually, so there wasn't TV broadcast, and 
and I was at home or on the internet back in the day. It was about 2001, so it was very slow internet. You'd hit refresh <laughs> button and see, and nah, didn't get picked two, didn't get picked 20, didn't get picked 40. And it got to about halfway through the draft, and um, our internet crashed. <laughs> so we're on the farm, and we're going, what do we do now? I don't know what's going on. And so being, you know, on the farm, and, you know, you know your neighbours quite well on you, the, the doigs down the road, so... We jumped in the car, we drove down to our neighbours, they weren't home, and obviously it was a good friend of mine, Stephen Doig. Um, we just walked ourselves into the house <laughs> and jumped on their computer and watched the end of the draft and, and got picked up to, to Sydney and moved up there in the next couple of days. So, yeah, that opportunity to come as a 17-year-old was, was quite daunting, but looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened. Who did you follow at the time? In the um, oh, I didn't really have a... I wasn't a mad person who followed anyone. I was more... Just loved just, playing? Yeah, more, and I always picked the underdog, one of them people who just backs the underdog and... I had a few favourite players here and there, Paul Kelly, um, Gary Ablett Senior when I was back there. So, yeah, mainly just followed players. So the change in clubs that came along wasn't too controversial in your mind or anything? Uh, it was because, uh, I guess, once upon a time and back then, you probably didn't. Not many people did change clubs. No, it's well, more common now. Now it's, yeah, you don't even frown upon them or anything, do you now? Yeah. It's very common. Um, oh, no, look, I, was, I just signed probably three or four weeks before it with the club for a two-year extension. So I didn't really think about it at all and... Wasn't thinking it was going to happen. We lost the first final, I think, in 2007, and we went out in straight sets with the Swans. And I was actually in Bali at the time with my partner on a holiday, and I got a phone call from the St Kilda Coast Ross line and said, oh, mate, we'd love you to come to St Kilda. I'm like, oh, I appreciate the phone call, Ross, but, um, you know, I just signed with, with Sydney, and I'm really happy. I just bought a house, actually, just before it, and it was sort of settling in really well there. And and then um, I sort of said no, because you, when you've contracted, you can say no, and said, no, nah, I'm quite happy. And then um, a player, Lenny Hayes, called me. And Lenny Hayes, everyone loves Lenny, if you know St Kilda and the footy club. Um, he spoke to me and, like, you can't really say no to Lenny because he's one of the nicest blokes going around. But <laughs> I said the same thing. I said, oh, sorry, mate. You know, I'm pretty happy where I am. And and then um, Sydney, I rang Sydney, the coach, at Paul Roos, and said, mate, what's, what's going on here? And, oh, look, we think it's your best interest to leave. And I'm like, oh, OK. So it was a bit of a shock to me. Like I said, I'm sitting on... The Bali Beach with the wife, we're having a few drinks, relaxing and trying to weigh up my career. Uh, what's going on? And was quite shocked and you know pretty frustrated to be honest because like I just signed, so didn't see it coming. And we didn't, you know, and the coach tells you it's probably in your best interest. So it's like, well, okay, I'm not sort of wanted or or part of their plans. And um, rang him back the next day and said, oh look, let's let's do it. And you know, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't priority or wasn't something I wanted to do, but you know, I sort of felt career move here I've, I've probably got to do it it might be my best interest to do it so um spoke to ross Lyon, who's probably one of my greatest coaches i had my career he's a great person and, and i had him at, in sydney for a few years so yeah got back from bali and started packing my house up and, and moved to melbourne with uh with the wife who wasn't the wife at the time and yeah she came down later which is good and you got to play in a premiership is that right i did with sydney yeah in 2005 was yeah. lucky enough there and played in five grand finals which i'm extremely lucky and um to be to be part of some good teams and good people, but only won one. So the record's not super in the AFL. <laughs> um, yeah, in 05 we won, in 06 we lost with the Swans, and then um, in St Kilda we played in three in 2009. We lost by, I think, a kick, which was an, was an ideal and bad memory for myself. Um, in 2010 we were lucky enough to play in the drawn grand final, last ever drawn grand final, and there'll probably never be another one because they've changed the rules. Yeah. So, um, and then we got belted in the replay. So, unfortunate there, but, um, oh, look, some great experiences. And, and I look back at that moment, it was it was a big moment, a big decision. Um, and it was a tough, I was probably 23 at the time, asked to move again. And after just settling, I've been a country boy settling in big Sydney. 
moving into footy club was again was was quite a hard thing to do, but probably the best thing I had to do for myself. So you're right. You don't get to play many grand finals in life at any level. Doesn't matter what level you go to. Um, you don't ever get. You rarely ever get to win one. Yeah, that's pretty rare. What's the feeling like? Because everybody knows football's like its own religion almost, um, and it's a common sort of thread between, regardless of which club it is, you might have your your um, allies and your enemies and what have yep. you, but but it is something that brings everyone together. What's it like when you step out onto the ground in front of a packed stadium like um, the MCG? Yeah, it's surreal. You, you've, it's probably hard because you've got to be focused and switched on. You can't just sit there and have a look at the crowd <laughs> for too long. Um, but I've, I was very fortunate of my career. I won five at Osborne before I before I got drafted, so I was extremely lucky and I don't take that for granted whatsoever. So mm. to be a part of some good teams and win out there was fantastic and then was lucky enough in the AFL as well. Um, and I did it when I was all young. That's probably the only, not a regret, but I would have loved to have done it when I was older. Mm. So you could be probably more, I don't know, more grateful when it happened, <laughs> you know, because I was lucky starting young, winning a few, and then pretty much when I was in the AFL, it started again playing finals. I was sort of, not in any way, I thought it become normal and thought this is you know, just normal playing finals footy, but when you get older, you don't really appreciate it because you're coming to your end. And, and uh, but um, we'll speak a bit later. But yeah, the crowd, oh, it's it's unreal. It it really is. It's a kid's dream. Mm-hmm. It's everything you expect and and hope for. Um, and probably the probably the the weirdest sound I've ever heard in my life was after the 2010 drawn grand final. It was the weirdest sound. The siren went. The players, we didn't know what to do. We didn't. We play an extra time. We're coming back next week. We weren't sure. All caught up in the emotion of it, and just the whole crowd. There was a hundred thousand people there. Just, it was like someone had been murdered in the stadium. There's this, there was this hiss around the crowd. No one knew what to talk about. No one knew what to say. Everyone was just sort of standing, sitting there, shocked. And um, we got together, and the coach brought us in and said, "Boys, that's all right. We'll come back next week." Oh, okay, right, fair enough. And we had a function that night, and you have to buy tickets for family, and you probably spend about three thousand, four thousand dollars on tickets and function tickets, and that all got cancelled. And Stevie Milne rang me that night and said, oh, well, how are you feeling? I said, oh, yeah, a little bit confused, you know, shocked. And he goes, you get another chance to play in a grand final next week. I said, oh, great point, you know. Kids would want to play in one grand final. You'd be playing two in two weeks. Yeah. So we quickly flipped the script and and changed, that as, and changed the mindset and go, yeah, beautiful. It's another opportunity. But as we're walking off the ground as well, just to add to the weirdness of that drawn grand final, um, our manager came up to us and said, oh, by the way, the sewerage is broken in the – change rooms the whole change room had been flooded with sewage and we're like oh god what else can go wrong with this day so we couldn't go back into our change rooms all that gear had been saturated with sewage so it was just this is just the weirdest day of my life but um we're in this foreign change room we've never been in before and there's a hundred thousand people outside you know walking around with their heads confused but um yeah no, the, the crowd definitely as a player gets you up for sure it's just an amazing experience i'm sure it's after the fact you've pinched yourself yeah, it is, it is. And and funny you say, the 2005 when we won, I I, I don't remember a thing. Mm. You're just caught up in the emotion. I remember one thing, I think someone ran and I hugged, I got thrown to the ground by our ruckman who was on the bench and I got up and went and hugged, you know, 30 of the players and just told everyone <laughs> you love them and you look around and, I, I, yeah, you, you just the, the sound just gets to you. And, and I remember seeing my brother and my mate in the crowd on the fence and that was one of my greatest memories as we're walking all up and the whole crowd's just erupting and... You know, you get to see your family who sort of go through everything with you as, as well. Um, they get to experience the, the highs of footy as well, but they also experience the lows. And, you know, my wife's a great example of that. She unfortunately didn't, wasn't with me when we won one, so she's only mm. seen me when I've been sad <laughs> after them games. But, um, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. And, and, I don't know, probably the Collingwood's the biggest crowd I've ever heard in my life. And I've got 
pretty haunted from the 2010 replay where the last quarter they got the Collingwood chant going in the crowd and you can hear about 90,000 Collingwood fans just screaming, Collingwood, and have a few nightmares about that. That's all right. <laughs> a recurring nightmare. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you touched on a moment ago the exit from that, that high, that career. Um, what does normal life feel like after you've done something like that? And it comes that you're really at a relatively young age of your life. You yeah. Know, it's almost like a, a retirement for the first time. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really good question. That um, it's it's quite hard. Um, probably be on the sense, you know, everyone has career changes, and and that that's that's acceptable, and that's life. It's it's going to happen. But I think it's such a professional environment when you're 17, and you're basically told when to eat, what to eat, when to sleep, when to train, when to do everything. You've got everything mapped out for you. As a 17 year old kid, mm. you know, you know, players these days have got managers to give them spending money, allowances, and all this kind of stuff. Like you've got everything done for you, and you, you're so, you're so driven for this one goal, and you got to sacrifice so much. And then all of a sudden, one day it's just stopped, and you're, you know, you're a 30 year old, or you could be 20, whatever, whenever your footy career finishes, and and you're lucky you get paid pretty well as a footballer. And these days, you definitely do. Mm. Um, you're a young kid, relatively young you are, you're 30, 33 at the most, 34 these days at the most, and you've got a bit of money in the bank and all of a sudden you've got this free free run. Like, what do you do with yourself? Um, no one's telling me I've got to get to bed. No one's telling me I can't eat food. No one's telling me I can't do this, I can't do that. So a lot of people come out of it, and you know, I've seen some good mates sort of really struggle and um, just in there and where to in life. Mm. So that's one thing the AFL do well now over the last 10 years is the day you walk in, they set you up for life after football, making sure you're studying or you've got another path to go down because it can be so... I think the average is two and a half years. If you go into the system, the average player lasts two and a half years. So um, you can come to the end of it, like I said, and be a 21-year-old kid and not have anywhere to go and you've passed up probably school. You might have missed your last year of school or so be it. So um, it, it's quite tough. Um, I sort of felt personal experience was more the, the drive when I finished. You know, you had something to thrive for every week, Monday to Friday, you train. You knew how to game to play on the weekend and you had a result and you could, you know, it's, regardless, it's a win-loss. You sort of had that feeling, right, I'm putting everything into this and then I'll get to Saturday and then Saturday's done and it's like, right, okay, done. I've, I've got that out of my system. So you, you drove yourself for that. But when you finish, you sort of, you don't have that. It's like, well, what am I doing? Like I said, because you've, you've been so professional, it's like, I don't have that out. It's it's like that. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird feeling. Mm. Um, and that was sort of what I found because you're a competitor as well, and it's it's just a competition, and it's how you, you play. I just didn't have that. I don't know. It's a weird. It's hard to explain how it is, but it's just hard to sort of get that motivation and drive to keep going when someone's not pushing you as much. So, and there's some people come out well, but some don't. Have you found something else that sort of gives you a buzz? Is there any hobbies these days or something oh, that you yeah. found sort of, yeah, because that would have been a profession but also a very rewarding sort of buzz. Have you found something that sort of filled that void? Yeah, kids. Your family yeah. does, mate. Um, they're the best things in the world. We all know that when you, when you have them and they're obviously very time-consuming as well, <laughs> which is great. Now, like I said, I'm in a professional sport where you didn't really have much time for your kids. You had to sort of give up some of your stuff to do with the kids that you'd like to do because you couldn't because it'd get in the way of your footy and in a way it's selfish as a person and a player but that's just what the the job required mm. now it's sort of you can give it all back to your family and some which is which was great um, that was something I really enjoyed doing and and probably went to my later years of footy career we we sort of were sort of on the bottom half of the ladder and I really enjoyed the teaching and coaching side of things of the younger players so I took them under my belt and 
sort of thought, well, this is a path I want to go down when I finish was sort of coaching and still being involved in the footy environment. Mm. Um, you know, I tried a few things in the real world, which were great and great learning experiences. But I had a good chat to someone who goes, you're a professional at this for 14 years. You know, it's like anyone in a profession, they do something for 14 years. If you're going to do something completely different, it's going to be hard to get used to and take time. So, um, yeah, I, I jumped down the coaching path and, and really enjoyed that as well. We're happy to have you here in our local region now, the your skill set and your experience. I'm sure everybody's happy to see it. Now, yeah. let's talk about some of the... Um, you spoke about being competitive and but keeping motivated and having goals and things like this. Let's untap some of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, anyone that you admire? Any sort of leaders that you've looked up to? You mentioned you've had a damn good coach in Ross Lyon, but, but yep. what, um, what sort of has motivated you over the years? Um... Or people that you've seen. Yeah, oh, I can't go past my old man. I suppose yeah. you always look at your father figure, and he's been outstanding for me, and someone I always look up to and admire. And um, yeah, he'd be number one for sure. But if you're talking sporting, you know, in my career, what I've learned over the time, probably Russell Lyon was one for me. He's probably one of the you know better coaches in the last 20 years. No doubt, no doubt about that. Probably the greatest thing and what I learned from him and you, when you get mentors, you want to sort of, and you're going down the same path as what they did, you, you pick little bits off people as you go. And I would have had probably 12 to 15 different coaches along the way. So mm -hmm. you try and pick what you think works and then you get your own method. But his greatest strength was he knew what every individual needed to tick. But he also got to know you on a personal level. And Ross's greatest strength is his honesty, you know, and... <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone loves honesty, and um, he'll tell you how it is and what he thought. And, you know, I've copped some huge sprays from Ross over the time, and um, but he knew that worked for me, you know, and that, that was one of his greatest strengths. We're a player over here. He knew he might not be able to sort of spray or yell at. He just said he had to cuddle him and sort of help him through to make him better. But the best thing about it is at a Monday meeting we had a review, he'd, and I had a poor game or did something wrong. He'd, he'd tell me straight in front of everyone right between my eyes and just let me know. You know, you sit there like, oh, God, Ross, come on, mate, I don't, I don't need this. But but then the second I walk out that door, he'd come up to me and ask, how's your wife? Mm. You know, how's your three kids? Knew my three kids' name. He knew my mum and dad's name. So, mate, well, he had that respect and he knew that much. He just wanted to get the best out of you and he knew what made you tick. So, yeah, he was something that's I've definitely taken into my coaching career and admired about how he went about it and, and what he does, so... He was, he was outstanding. Admire the honesty is the message I'm taking out of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. Some people don't like, you know, can't, don't know how to deal with it, but he had a really good follow-up with it. And like I said, he had that care factor as well and actually cared about you and wanted to make you better. Any uh, philosophical quotes or anything that you've picked up along oh, the way? You know, the... If, yeah, oh, if you know Ross, he's got an absolute million of them. Yeah. But, um, oh, not really. Oh, um, Life's short, I enjoy it. That's sort of my theory. Yeah, nice one. little mantra. Yeah, that's how I live by it, I think. Yeah, and if you want something, go for it. You know, that's sort of two things I live by. Uh, we often reflect on take, making and taking tough decisions. How do you go with that in life? Yeah, yeah, that's another good thing is everything happens for a reason is, is something also I believe in. Yeah. Um, like I left here when I was 17, didn't know what I was doing. I was just finished year 11 and... You just sort of go away, and then probably when I got traded from St Kilda to Sydney, Sydney to St Kilda was was one of their moments. I could have easily stayed in my comfort zone. Like I said, I just bought a house and just sort of settled up for six years, and um, I had the right to say no because I had two year contract. But um, sort of really got out of me out of my comfort zone and said, right, oh, well, let's do it. Let's go down there and challenge yourself. You know, have a crack at it, and 
and see what can happen. And that was looking back, that was probably the best thing I did personally for my career to go mm. forward. And uh, but it was also very tough, you know. And I am a country boy at heart, and I'd, you get in your comfort zone when you're a country person. And that, um, yeah, that was sort of something. Look back and go, I'm glad I did it. Sliding door moment. It's usually another theme that we sort of go around. If there's been sliding door moments in life, have you ever stopped to think what would have happened? Yeah. If you didn't make that decision? No, you're right. I wouldn't have played in three grand finals for St Kilda. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of sliding door moments in them grand finals as well that I'd like to <laughs> <laughs> change. There's a famous bounce of the ball to Milne, which would have been nice to change. But um, everything happens for a reason, mate. That's part of it. Yeah. If you had your time in life again, would you do anything differently? Um. Oh, yeah, of course you would. You know, I reckon it's silly to say you wouldn't, but, yeah, like, everything everything happens for a reason as well. Um, I would have changed my diet when I was younger, so I wasn't as short and stumpy as what I am now. Um, but, yeah, look, no, there's, there's definitely a few things in life that you look back on a few mistakes, but, no, you just got to learn from them, I think, and roll with it. So you're a young kid... Um, you're growing up on the farm, not too far away from the local footy field, when the teacher or someone in your life said to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was the answer? Yeah, I, I don't remember anything mm. specific like that. Um, I guess I was just a, a kid at school who, who played footy and cricket and all sports at school, basically to get out of school, I think, and go travel and, <laughs> and be a part of school sport. But And then I, I, don't know, I was just sort of... The footy path just sort of took you down that way and you watched AFL and I, I don't remember being a diehard going, oh, I want to play AFL and put everything into it. It was just something I really enjoyed doing and I was lucky enough that come and I can't thank my parents enough for the amount of travel they did for me, my junior career, and to help me get there. But um, yeah, I guess I guess it was just something because, like I said, I was 17. So it just sort of led me there and it just sort of happened and yeah, come out the other end of it all right. Mm. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty vision, isn't it? Looking back, is there any advice you'd give a younger you? Yeah, uh, yeah diet is yeah. one of them. <laughs> Look after yourself, no matter how old you get. Eat your veggies like your mum taught you. But um, oh, yeah, there's there's a tough one with that. I I guess there's moments in footy games and stuff like that, but you can't really control. Um, 2020 if you look back and think did I not if I didn't move from Sydney would have life been different would I be here now uh, no I can't think of anything exactly mate to be honest as you've sort of highlighted a couple of times there it's things happen for a reason yeah and life short live it that's right that's sort of the that's simple exactly right. nice simple mantras yeah yeah so thinking ahead the next five to ten years what does it look like for you yeah good question um well, I've got three young kids now. I've got a 13, 11 and a 5-year-old. I think I just want to spend my life, you know, back to them in a way and watch them play sport and do what they want to do. Uh, working for a company in Aubrey now, Agboss, which is going really well, enjoying that. Um, they've got – the company's really growing. So hopefully stick around with them. And, um, yeah, I think – I don't know. That's the thing. And I spoke to our wife when we moved here. It's like, well, is this, you know, we, this is our home, is it? Are we never moving again? And we just said, well, let's just go and see. We'll just roll with it and, and see where it leads us. So, um, like I said, everything's going to happen for a reason. And it's hard to predict now with COVID over the last few years what's going to happen. But um, no, I'm enjoying life at the moment. And like I said, I just want to live through my kids for the next few years and watch them grow.
It's a pretty nice place to live, though, isn't it? If, if you had to well, choose somewhere with accessibility, yeah. should you need to slip back into a city event or whatever it might be? Yeah, the location's outstanding. Oh, that's yeah. one thing we noticed soon before we come to any or Melbourne's just down the road. Even Sydney's not too far away. and You've got everything within an hour, really, that's you can possibly need as well in here in Wangaratta and all that kind of thing. But um, the one thing we will complain about, and it's only third world problems here, is the sun. It hasn't come out in the last five months. So it's <laughs> hasn't come out in Sydney either, though. Well, so. <laughs> it doesn't get down to four degrees in Sydney. <laughs> they got down to about 15 overnight up there. So, no, again, that's third world problems I'm complaining about there. I like the sun. Yeah, no, valid point. And do you think you're on track to achieve those goals? Like, you know, you're talking about just spending more time with kids. And yeah. Do you feel you're there? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I am. You know, I sacrificed a little bit financially to come down here and with the family, but you know, it's also it's a lot easier to live and survive down here. But um, you know, with the difference between Sydney and Aubrey, but um, yeah, no, I think so, mate. I think everything's working out well so far. Kids and family seem happy. Um, yeah, like I said, as long as you're happy in life, otherwise, you know, you don't want to look back in ten years' time and say I just wasted ten years of my life being unhappy. So mm, should have done moment. something about it. Mm. Hey, you started this conversation of the journey around how you've ended up in Albury Wodonga, right? And you mentioned the the big reset, the COVID moment. It's something that so many people have had. You have noticed that in the housing market. Whenever I get an <laughs> open house, they're always yeah, we come from Sydney or Melbourne. Come yeah. two years too late. <laughs> so, um, what have what have you learnt, or, or what's the pandemic done to change you? Do you think has it impacted your values? Has it is it a positive thing? Are you, are you feeling the angst and the frustration like many of us still are to carry over? Or oh no, I am no doubt financially everyone is, and mm. obviously you know yeah, part of I'm, I'm, a lot of people lost their jobs, mm. um, so I can't talk compared to them. You know that, that's the worst they got made you know, redundant or whatever because of the job. We got a 35% pay cut. Um, but And living in Sydney, that's not easy to survive and I was mm. paying someone's mortgage off anyway on the on the same time. So, yeah, financially definitely frustrated and it is. But my wife, you know, she's really positive in that way and she just said, well, so, you know, it might be a year or two hard but we'll come out the other side of it. Um, I said everything happens for a reason and we'll, we'll just work it and turn it into positive. We'll flip the script and... We'll get away for a few years, and if we love it, we'll stay there forever, and it'll be the best thing we've ever done. If not, we'll we'll go back to what we're doing in the normal life. But um, yeah, no, everything's everything's going well. Can't complain, mate. Yep, sun's coming up. <laughs> Eventually, Sometimes. it'll come out. It's up. It's up every day. We just might <laughs> just not see it. it. Uh, oldie but a goodie. As we start to wrap up the journey with you, Adam, uh, if you can invite three people over for dinner, uh, they can be alive or dead, or oh. they can be rock stars. They can be whatever you want. Who would you have? Yeah, right. That's a good question. Well, I'll probably start with an actor, I suppose. Denzel Washington is one of my favourite actors. I'm a big fan of him. Just like the way he goes about it, my man. Um, sporting one, I suppose, might be oh, probably Tom Brady. Obviously, he's done absolutely everything in his career and life. Um, and a third one. I don't know, that one, that's a good one. Might have to be my wife so she doesn't miss out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I didn't get that one, sorry. I love it. Sweet yeah. or savoury, which would you go for on oh, the table? If you look at me, I'm sweet for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy my sweets, that's right. <laughs> I love it. I love anything, I don't mind. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> Toss right. a coin. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so you're currently coaching in the O&M. Yep. Um, so that's consuming I'm sure a lot of your weekdays and your weekends obviously a good portion of that but so once you get beyond the season as we wrap up it's finals time now um, 
what will your weekends look like, do you think, around around this particular region now you're calling it home at the moment? Yeah, no, it's a good, good point. In season, you're very busy and coaching and son sport and daughter sport and do a bit of coaching for Giants Academy as well. So every day was, was busy with work as well. But um, the weekends now, it's good. I had first weekend off on the weekend, went out and watched a bit of local sport just to get out there and relax, spent family day, Father's Day with the kids and, and wife. But, um, yeah, no, it's basically now it's just... I can relax, but again, it'll be just through kids' sport, so I'm looking forward to that. And wait for that sun to come out. That's it. So get some and then I want it to go in. away because it'll be too hot, so yeah. I'll be complaining all day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win. And lastly, do you have any good recommendations for us in terms of either other podcasts, maybe something you're streaming on TV, do you binge watch anything when you get time to sit still? No, I don't actually get much time. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I have it, but I might have to look into some. Yep. I don't mind my TV when the kids go to bed, but by the time they go to bed, it's about 9.30, 10 anyway, so <laughs> I've got to go to sleep after and get up for work. <laughs> but no, I don't really have a lot for you. I know if, um, oh, the sporting one player I coach with is Dil- Dylan Friends, Dylan Buckley. He does a, he interviews some people there on the sporting side of thing and the AFL side of thing. He's a good little listen to. He yeah, makes it takes one. a bit of a laugh out of it. Yeah, good one. All right, well, Adam Schneider, thank you so much for being part of the journey. As a relatively newcomer to our immediate region, but obviously you've got the regional ties just a little further north there in New South Wales, and it's been a pleasure to have you as part of the journey. No worries. Thanks for having me.